0: Welcome back to The Spark Show. I'm your host, D-Rob, and this week, we welcome our first pitcher to the show, Andrew Heaney. For those looking for a big league edge this week, this episode is for you. We're going to talk about his personal goals, the Angels tradition, getting a PRP injection, and why he chose college after being drafted out of high school. We also have a fun debate going on whether he wears his pants up or he wears his socks high. What do you think? Let's not keep him waiting anymore. Let's get right to it. dog man welcome to the spark I'm so fired up to have you Uh, I'm Daniel Robertson This Andrew Heaney big league pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels feels so weird saying Los Angeles but (laughs) welcome to the show man I'm so pumped you're here
1: thanks for having me on D-Rob
0: no problem man I look forward to this I've I've always been able to pick your brain I know we were teammates for for a year and roommates too I know a lot about you but I think I want the kids to know a little bit more about you and who you are as a person, because you're real quiet. You're a secluded person. You enjoy your private time, family guy, you love dogs, but I want people to know a little bit of your struggle and your successes and how you were able to overcome those things mentally, emotionally, whatever. We're just going to run with it. Let's do it. When you were growing up, you know, being a lefty, that's not, it's not normal. You had a lot of people that you were able to watch, Who were some of the lefties that you watched growing up, maybe modeled your game after, or just enjoyed to watch pitch?
1: Um, For me, like when I was a kid, I was always an Indians fan. Um, Even though I grew up in Oklahoma, went to mostly Rangers games. uh, I think it started like when I was in Little League, uh, I played on a team that was called the Indians. And it was kind of one of the first like big, you know, you get a team name where it's like a big league team. Yeah. And so I just started, like, naturally, like, oh, no, like, I wonder, like, this is the team I play for. I wonder who plays for their Indian team, you know? So I kind of started watching, and that was kind of around, like, you know, when they were starting to really get good and turn over some guy, You know, that had the Kenny Loftons, Manor yeah, Merez. Yeah, like the, like all, the you know, mid-90s Indians. The whole, yeah, the whole Jim Tomeys, all those guys. Um, so when I started paying attention, I started paying attention to the pitchers. Uh, they actually, you know, had a couple good lefties in Cliff Lee, CC Sabathia. Um, so those were the guys that I would say I first started watching and maybe, it's not that I intentionally modeled my game after them or anything, but, you know, you just watch people enough. It's kind of like you just sort of pick up on their tendencies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the first two guys. And I mean, I'm sure every left-handed pitcher is always going to say Randy Johnson. I mean, like you can't not, maybe that that's a dude that influenced you you know so those would be the three guys that come to mind for me
0: those are good because they're so different yeah cliff lee i think was a late bloomer Cece was i mean god he was dominant with those early yeah. years he had a phenomenal career and then you got a dude that was 100 who's 610 so yeah i think those are all different ends of the spectrum but definitely i would probably say your breaking ball is a little cliff lee ish yeah the thing's got some yeah. light to it uh,
1: Yeah, I would say it falls somewhere. I mean, like, obviously not on the same level, but it falls somewhere in between the Cliff Lees and, and, you know, Randy Johnson. I got the little bit lower arm angle, not quite like Randy Johnson. But, um, yeah, it's fun to, like, kind of see, like, now that I'm playing, like, look back at those guys and kind of, like you said, how all their careers were really different. Cliff Lee was a little bit more of a late bloomer and was, like, a very, like, you know, clutch performance guy, uh, came through big for the teams that he was on. Then you had CeCe, who just had such a long career and really had to continually, like, remake himself, even when his stuff, because people don't remember that that dude was, I mean, he was throwing 98 to 100, like, consistently when he first came up.
0: Yeah, he was, and, I mean, he
1: completely, fuel. like, remodeled his game and started throwing more changeups, a little more cutters, like, you know, by the end of it, you know, he was 88, 91 on, you know, 92 on good days and was still, you know, going deep into games, getting a lot of people out. Um, you know, he dealt with a lot of, like, injury stuff with, like, his lower half, too. So, you know, I think just, like, kind of watching those guys and then, you know, Randy Johnson was just always, a you know, a freak athlete and, you know, just, like, had ridiculous stuff. But early on, had no clue where the ball was going, really didn't, like, uh, didn't really kind of settle into being that, you know, dominant presence until a couple of years after, I think, being with the Expos when he, fought, you know, finally kind of like turned it on.
0: Absolutely. And I remember in 15, when we were teammates, he pitched against us um, at our place in Anaheim. And I don't know how close you watched, you kind of watched him go about his business. That was probably a, a different moment for you. I mean, obviously we all have our starstruck moments sometimes where we see people that we grew up against, but I remember being in the lineup facing him and the first at bat I had against him I remember freaking out because it, he was one of those guys he was one of those guys that I grew up watching that I grew up being a fan of and then now here I am getting ready to try to find a way to help our team win but also get through those nerves and I remember he threw me like a cutter and I rolled it to short and I was running down the line wondering how the heck I missed it but I was still thinking in my mind because you were so enamored by it did you yeah. do you remember him do you remember that game I mean you've had several I, games since then Honestly game. I
1: don't I might have you know That's true if that. it was your off
0: day yeah no doubt yeah, you know what I mean I can't day. remember
1: oh, yeah. but uh I mean I've seen him I've seen him yeah. throw a couple times and just you know CeCe's just got like that Presence to him, you know, yeah. and and. uh
0: He's not a small man. He's not big. No, he's a large that. dude. He's like six
1: seven. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: like, and people give him bad time for being quote unquote out of shape or whatnot, but yeah. how in shape can you be at six seven? I mean, six,
1: seven. I mean, he's just a he's big body man, like big dude. Man, and he's I mean, got
0: he's got a long delivery too.
1: And and towards the end, like he was in really good shape. Like I said, like he had a lot of those like knee, hip, ankle like issues and stuff. I think like for a while and just. uh I remember they kind of, there was a stretch there for like two years. I mean, it was like probably the, you know, tens to twelves, somewhere in there, like where he kind of was, maybe it was a little later than that where he was kind of, I think, convinced to sort of lose some weight and, and get in better, you know, people are getting get better shape. And I remember I watched him throw and I was like, it just doesn't feel the same. Like it's, it's like some stuff just works for some people, man. Like and mm-hmm. you can't, you can't put everybody into that mold and f- put them in that box and just say like this is what you have to be to be successful, you know.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And now let's let's shift gears a little bit to your debut. I mean June 19th, 2014 for those that don't know. Through 6 innings, I have a problem with it cuz you threw 6 innings, you gave up 4 hits, you punched 3 and you gave up 1 run, but you got the loss.
1: <laughs> yeah, so
0: <laughs> what the
1: yeah uh it was against the mets in mm-hmm. miami uh gave up a first inning home run to david wright which i mean for you know your first hall big league famer. homer first guy probably to clip a, you probably david a not a bad guy to, yeah not a bad guy to have do it uh and he he basically put it off that uh ugly skull, sculpture out there in uh, left oh. center
0: yeah that million dollar sculpture <laughs>
1: yeah and uh well it's ugly for me because anytime it went off it meant somebody hit a homer off me but uh, uh, it was
0: it was just ugly <laughs> being out there no offense Miami <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> um but uh you know like after that I kind of settled in and like you said went went five scoreless after that um it, it's funny like a lot of people talk about like you know the nerves and stuff of your big league debut and I remember not being nervous like having like I'd like to think it was a sense of calm but it was probably more a sense of just sort of numbness you know like where you're Mm kind of out there and you know I remember not being it's not like I wasn't focused but I wasn't like I wasn't locked in like I wasn't in that flow state where you're just sort of like you're going and you're performing at optimal level but you're not having to really think about it I think it was for me just more of trying to remain calm and trying to, you know, you can't force yourself into that, into that flow. Like it Absolutely. has to really, um, um, but I I don't remember being nervous. Like it was, it was weird. I mean, it felt like a road game because we were playing the Mets and, you know, like all the New York fans <laughs> down there in Miami, like they were showing up to support, support the Mets more than they wore the Marlins. But um, it, I mean, it was a good time. And, and uh, you know, do you I remember had to hit, you got the hit? So I had to face Zach Wheeler. And that was when he was, like, just really throwing hard. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, actually, I put a ball in play. I was just just late-barreled a ball down the third baseline (laughs) to uh, David Wright. But he was on the line. He just picked it nice and easy and flipped it over to first. So. Uh, it took me quite a while to get my first hit, so it wasn't gonna happen against Zach Wheeler, not that day.
0: And then and then you were like, God, David Wright, you're just on me today, <laughs> taking away my hits.
1: <laughs> Again, like if you're gonna get beat by somebody, I'd rather beat somebody <laughs> that, that is that revered, you know, not just so true. Just random do, you, dude.
0: do you remember one specific moment from your debut? Like just something that anybody maybe couldn't see? I know I remember from your debut, I think it might have been your f- one of your clean innings you jogged off the mound
1: okay so that's funny you say that i, I don't <laughs> i don't remember that but we we're uh we were watching some of the video the other day of my debut and i yeah i got like a ground ball or a punch i don't remember what it was but like to end the inning and i sure it was up, a punch
0: out it was a punch out and i was watching the video and i was like oh,
1: come on heen like what are you doing man like <laughs> it's like act like you've been there one time you know? like <laughs> But I mean, that's kind of like, that's kind of how it is though. Like I was saying, like, you're just zoned out. You're just sort of, you don't know what you're doing. You don't really, that's like what takes so much time. Like that's where guys talk about like having the game, you know, a lot of people use the phrase, like having the game speed up on you. Like to Mm -hmm. me, it's not so much about speeding up on you. It's, it's being aware of what's going on, being aware of your surroundings. You know, you, you watch a lot of guys, like they'll make their debut uh, on the mound, and they'll it'll be a track meet, right? Like guys will just be stealing bags left and right because they're not really focused. You're like you just kind of zoned out. Like it's you know some people say the game's speeding up on you, but really it's it's like just this lack of awareness and this lack of just kind of savvy and having you know the wherewithal to kind of pay attention to the little things. You know, like I I wasn't thinking about counts. I wasn't thinking about Pitch selection. I wasn't thinking, you know what I mean? It's just straight up like, I got the ball and I'm going to try and get it past you. Like, yeah. and beyond that, like, you know, this sense of, of like, yeah, you want to have a good debut. Like, you don't want your first debut to go horribly <laughs> wrong. But sort of a little sense, maybe that sense of calm of like, like nobody's going to like crush you for having a bad debut, right? Like, you will not be the first guy to get abused on your it debut, sure you know? So I think sometimes having those, those, they're not great positive thoughts but just sort of neutral thoughts of just sort of hey just go out there and do your best you know
0: yeah absolutely and I think that's funny have you jogged off the mound since
1: I still I mean I do it a little bit I definitely would say no not as much it happens every once in a while I think it's sometimes it's within like a like if, you know, like if you're on the third base dugout, your team's in the dugout, like if something kind of takes you that way, you just kind of mm-hmm. let the momentum kind of take you. But yeah. no, like I definitely walk off the field and yeah. usually I pull my glove off and kind of like carry it off once I get uh, like past the third baseline or first baseline. So yeah, I kind of like developed a routine. That's definitely something I don't like intentionally do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's, and cause you debuted with the Marlins. So I think at, at that time when you debuted, I think the dynamic of the roster wasn't maybe as veteran presence, but who were a couple of guys that maybe after your debut or just before, that maybe you kind of leaned on or that gave you some sort of advice when you were about to have your first debut or just were there to kind of talk you through now going forward, because it's we all know getting the first one out the way is huge, but then now this game you got to you either start to learn or you don't, essentially.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would say there was a group of, of the starting pitchers. It was uh, Nadia Valdi, um, Tom Kohler, and Jacob Turner. That was kind of like the core group there. Uh, and, and probably the guys that I would say I would at least lean – I mean, like, you, you said it off the top, man. Like, I'm pretty quiet. I'm pretty reserved. And was definitely not going to get to the big leagues and be – ruffling feathers or trying to uh, trying to stand out by any means so I mean like there I spent a lot of games in a Marlins uniform just sitting on the bench by myself just spitting Mm -hmm. seeds and watching the game and every team's different like you said like there's certain dynamics where you get to a team that's got a little bit more veteran presence and they're going to have guys that kind of scoop you under their wing and kind of like show you the ropes Uh, you might have some veteran guys that kind of like want to I don't want to say beat you down, but just sort of like keep you in your place, keep you humble and and sort of maybe not help you do the right things, but they'll definitely let you know when you're doing the wrong things. Um, and then, you know, the group we had there in Miami, like, you know, all those guys ended up like having pretty good careers. I mean, I know Tom Culler just retired. Jacob Turner's had some really crazy injury issues, but I mean, was a, a really good player. And then obviously Eovaldi, like doing what he's done here recently. Um, but they weren't quite those guys yet, you know. I think Evaldi was kind of maybe the closest to sort of being the the dude that he is now. Um, but Nate Nate's a guy too that he's such a a humble dude, Texan, like just hard worker. I mean, guy's an absolute animal in the weight room. Like he's he's funny. He's a good dude, joker, like a good guy. But just sort of he's not going to be the guy to really step out and go out of his way to mentor you or to like you know not haze you but you know what i mean like he's he's that group they're just like kind of down to earth dudes and they just wanted to they had their kind of their click and like when you're a rookie you don't really come in and try and just force your way into a group right like you Mm -hmm. just sort of let things play out naturally so there was definitely a lot of time that i spent just on my own and and frankly like it wasn't my favorite Part of my life or career, like I really didn't, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like. I I wasn't like, oh, this is the big leagues. This is what I dreamt of, right? Like, right. But I think that that's maybe I'm wrong. That's par for the course for a lot of guys, especially guys like me. You know, I I was, I was a first rounder. I was a top prospect, but I wouldn't say I was a guy that was a can't miss superstar. You know, like I'm not coming in the league and setting the world on fire. So I know I got to keep my head down and do what I can to. To maintain my job security you know my job status I think uh, that was kind of first and foremost in my mind
0: yeah and and you got to the big leagues rather fast I mean drafted in 12 you debut in 14 so to me you recognized kind of your your inefficiencies early the things that you need to work on yeah and you worked on them rather fast. What were some of the things that you felt you had to deal with coming out of Oklahoma State and going into pro ball? And then how did you fix them because in 2 years, I mean, for the for the betterment of 2 years could have been a little over, but that's that's really fast. So how did you address those so quickly to give yourself the best chance to become a big leaguer?
1: Uh I mean, I guess it all kind of I would say it starts a little bit like before getting to the pro ball like when I I got drafted out of high school and pretty much knew that physically I just wasn't ready to play in pro ball I mean when I got drafted out of high school I was 6'1 145 pounds maybe you know as an 18 year old and just didn't feel like that was gonna cut it like playing you know 150 games in the minor leagues and trying to pitch 30 games a year um so I went to school and that was the first thing, you know, I weighed in at one 47 and a funny story I always like to tell is, uh, so we have first day, you know, first day of anything, right? Like you're always nervous. First day of class, first day of practice, first day, of what, like you got those nerves, you're excited. So we're in the weight room and we're getting ready to do like testing. And I look over and there's like three, uh, benches set up with, uh, 45s on either side, 135.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're getting ready to do a bench press test. And our strength coach has his clipboard and he's got everybody's name on there. And I'm looking around and I'm like, man, like in my head, I'm going, Oh, this isn't good. And I'm like, what do I do here? So I, I walk over because I know I can't press that. Not even mm-hmm. one time, like mm-hmm. 135, dude, that's like as much as I weigh, like I can't press that. <laughs> so I go over to our strength coach. And I go, hey, man, Tracy, like, I, uh, I, I can't do that. Like, I can't do that. And he goes, what's your name? And I'm like, Heaney. And he's like, you're a pitcher, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, y'all don't do this. You're doing the push-up test. And I was like, whoo, you know, like, took a deep <laughs> breath out. Like, because I was legitimately thinking, like, what am I going to do if he calls my name? Am I just going to go get under there and just pretend like I'm about to rep these things out and then just let it absolutely crush me? <laughs> Or am I going to just tap out like day one and be like, nah, man, like not going to do that. You know, what was like, what's what's my strategy? You could have
0: done like, you know what? When I was playing yesterday, I had a pinch in my shoulder. Give it the pinch in the shoulder.
1: Can't, can't do this today. So I was just like, I knew from that day forward, like, all right, like I got a lot to do physically to get myself in shape, not only to hold up against frankly, pretty much everybody I'm playing against is going to be bigger, stronger, and more developed than me. And I've kind of adopted that mentality all the way through. I mean, even when I got drafted as a junior out of college, right? I'm 21 years old. The night that I get drafted, I'm 21 years old. The night. Like, I turned 21 and got drafted the same night. And That's
0: a great day right there. It was
1: pretty cool, man. I had my family. I had my dad. I had a beer with my dad. Like, it was a pretty cool thing, man. And, and I remember thinking, like, I may be a first rounder, but like I still have a lot to prove. And so, to, long answer to your question is, I felt comfortable in my ability on the field. It was the things off the field that I needed to do a better job of. And I had never really experienced winning in baseball, and I honestly still really haven't. Um,
0: right, well, we were so close and, in '15, man. That's yeah, at me.
1: Yeah, I mean. I just have never – like, and I I can't say I've even been a part – you know, most guys are coming from these college programs where they were there for three or four years and they went to the College World Series two times. And they, you know what I mean? Like, the North Carolinas, the Texases, the – you know, all these places. Like, I I made one – we made one regional my sophomore year, which was my worst year. Like, I was terrible. (laughs) Midweek games, like, in relief, like, getting beat up against Wichita State. And we go to Vanderbilt proceed to get our asses kicked by Troy Troy uh and then we and then we played um oh my goodness I can't even remember the name of the school Belmont Belmont it was in Nashville like a small school I never even heard of and then they just kicked us and that was it like that's the most like that was the highest level of playing like I had experienced you know before I got to pro ball so even that is something that like it kind of has to be learned like you can't you can't you, until you experience that so like all of those things to me are things that I wanted to improve upon and and just experience and get better at because I had all the confidence in the world when I was on the mound I knew how to hold runners I knew how to field my position you know I, I could spin a breaking ball like I had a decent enough fastball I could develop a changeup. you know like those things to me weren't ever really the challenge, you know, uh, it was the other, the other things that that gave me the hardest time.
0: I mean, and then you go to the angels, a program that or an organization that wants to win. I touched on it a moment ago. I mean, we lose on the last, we lose on the last damn day to the Rangers. Yep. Who in, who could you say now that with you being the angels, I know you were there with weave. Uh, we had weave, we had Houston, We had some pretty prominent guys. Was there anybody with the Angels now that when you got there, a change of scenery that had more vets, was it someone there? Because I'm with – I was with you, obviously, almost every day. Yeah. But there's still that time in the day where we separate. You know, I got to go do my position player thing and you got to do your pitcher thing.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I talk about, like, the veterans that want to kind of, like, keep you in your place, beat up on you a little bit. I mean, that's definitely weave, right? Like, great dude, like, fun to be around, but – not a guy you wanted to be on his bad side. I mean, he's terrifying. Oh, like, absolutely. I, mean, if anybody, I hope anybody out there who knows him or has seen him play or even just operate on a day-to-day basis, like, he's intimidating. But, again, like, I was a guy that that didn't concern me because I knew I wasn't, I wasn't going to go out there and mess up, you know. Like, I wasn't going to go – I'm not going to be late. I'm not going to, like – you know, I'm not even going to, like, put myself in a position to get, like – to get crushed, you know um so he was definitely a guy that you know it took me a while to want to pull up next to him on the bench and just kind of talk to him but like he'd shoot you straight and let you know and and just kind of give you some tidbits here and there that that you may not even been thinking about you know but but most of the time I'm sitting there with uh, you know uh, Garrett Richards Skaggs like those are the guys that probably at that time I'm I'm finding myself and I find a, a parallel between like I was saying with Ivaldi, Kohler and Turner mm-hmm. I kind of felt like that was now my group with like G Rich and Skaggs like that's kind of yeah. how I felt uh, and then you know you talked about Houston Street like a guy that had save you know at that point almost 300 games yeah
0: we were part of this 300 save and that we had champagne in the locker room that was one of the cooler moments of my career yeah
1: yeah i mean i've i've been fortunate enough to see some pretty damn cool milestones i've seen 600 homers yep i've seen 3,000 hits i've Mm -hmm. seen 300 saves i've seen a cycle um i've been no hit against i've been yeah. On a team that did a combined no hitter, so I mean, I've seen some really cool shit, man. Like <laughs> I really think, like now that I'm listening it off, I'm like, damn, I've seen a lot yeah, like, yeah. in person, right? Like because those been, are
0: sometimes those are some things that we get so wrapped up in the day to day that yeah. we forget how enjoyable the game is, even at the big league level.
1: You you play 162 games, like you try and break down like one game, or, or you know, a lot of those like I like I said, like those are other people's achievements, like. I was there, I lived it, I enjoyed it. I had savored every moment for that person, right? Like I'm excited as all hell for my own teammates. And you know what, a little bit like when we're getting no hit, like, I've never seen this before, right? <laughs> like I'm sitting there in Miami, it was the last game of the year uh, and Zimmerman for the Nationals was no hitting us. And I was just kind of like, I didn't say this to anybody, but I'm sitting on the bench going like, man, I kind of hope he does this. Like, I want to see it. I've never seen a no hitter in person. And I like- mean,
0: that's true. it's
1: it's it was game 162. Like, we are out of it. Like, nobody – like, I don't want to say nobody cared, but, like, I was just like, you know, this that guy That doesn't...
0: guy, it's okay. That guy on the mound, he's yeah. at his best right now, and I kind of want to see it. And I think a yeah. lot of people forget about that. They get lost up in their own mind where it's, oh, I'm getting my butt kicked today. I'm failing today. And they don't take yeah. a time to go, hey, that guy gets paid too. That guy yeah. wants to be great, too. Yeah, those so those other teams
1: are rolling over. They don't, they don't care whether you win or lose. They're trying to beat you down. And, like, you know, I don't ever want to see my team lose. And I definitely don't want to be a part of a loss. But at the same time, like, somebody's going to beat you, you got to respect them, right? Like, you got to respect when you witness either a great moment or a great player. Like, I'll never be bitter about that. Like, it's just not, not something I'm going to be bitter about.
0: No, not at all. i I love that i think that's and for those for those that don't know about you 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 were drafted out of high school with 24th round in 2009 to the royals and then Uh, race 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 Race. and no your your one hit shutout was against the royals so yeah yeah. so you you get with them and then you're drafted in 12 by the by the marlins and that's two different two different dynamics and i th- i think you touched on it perfectly about what you needed to do to get better and i think not very many young kids have the wherewithal they just think oh i'm drafted what an opportunity but you sat back and took the time to be able to say hey i need to get better at this so i need to take the time to do this
1: yeah i think for me it was almost like a pressure uh, a good pressure of like I don't want to be like a, a flame, flame out. Like, I don't want to be the guy that like, dude, you were the number nine overall pick and you couldn't even get out of high a. Like, I don't want to be that guy. And I definitely didn't want to do it for like personal reasons. Right. Like you see so many, like you've seen in pro ball, bro. It's like, you see so many guys that it's like, they can't just manage their own time. Like they just can't be places on time. They can't like, they can't wrap their brain around like just making dinner or like being, being able to just like, <laughs> like little things, man. Like just, it's crazy. Like not trashing your hotel room, like not, you know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy stuff like that. that like that gets guys kicked out of pro ball early, early on. And like dudes get weeded out that like, you know, you're sitting there going like, damn, I, I thought that guy was pretty good. Like he could have been a pro, <laughs> like a professional player. Like either, whether he got to the big leagues or not, like he could have been like a, a long time, like minor league dude. Like he could have stuck around, like just from pure baseball standpoint. So that was the pressure for me really was just like, man, I don't want to like disappoint myself. Like I don't want to disappoint other people. Like just cause I fooled the Marlins into drafting me number nine <laughs> overall.
0: We all fools, <laughs> bro. Right? We like, doesn't
1: doesn't mean it's doesn't mean it's time to just say like, oh, it's time to coast. Like, I made it. Like, I just remember thinking like, this can't be the end of it. Like, I never expected to be like a a good college player. Like, I expected to just kind of get, you know hang around, get some games in. Like, maybe maybe spend a little bit of time in the classroom and like kind of move on with life. And then like, I get drafted again and I'm just kind of thinking like, all right, like, well, if I'm, if I'm doing this, like, obviously I'm going to make it like my whole life, like not just my career. And like, you know, that sounds like extreme, but it's like, look, there's a small window, a small opportunity here to like really dedicate yourself to something and, and just prove to yourself, like what you're capable of, right? Like, it just – it's something that, like, I'm immensely proud of. Like, if my career – if I—if it ended today, like, I'm immensely proud of what I've done. But, like, I want to be able to tell people, like, I got 10 years in the big leagues and people will be like,
0: no way. Like, <laughs> you
1: not play 10 – you know what I mean? Like, I want to, yep. like – I want to shock people just – I want to Im- impress. Like, I know that sounds weird. Like, not impress people, but just, like, I want to – like, overachieve what people would ever expect, like, some six, 140 140-pound lefty from Oklahoma to do. Like, to mm-hmm. me, like, that's where I find my greatest, like, pride. Like, and that we're talking about individually. Like, obviously, like, there's team accolades and things that we talked about that, like, I would love to – I've never played in the playoffs like I'd love to to do that first and foremost I would love to get to a world series I'd love to win a world series I would love to be a part of a team you know like I want to be not just along for the ride you know Mm -hmm. like I don't want to be a guy that's just like well I get a ring but really I didn't contribute you know I don't want to be nobody wants that like you don't want to feel like you know like you were just benefiting off of others like I want to be a part of that so I think there's still like you know and, and as athletes like that's what you that's what you do like you just look for the next thing the next goal the next uh, motivating factor to get you out there and outside of your outside of what you're supposed to do right like absolutely you know what i'm saying so that's, like that's what the greats are is like they just they just exceed all expectations
0: And that's what, and that's what it is, right? They, when we get drafted, we get player comps and I think they're a little naive in a sense because sometimes as a player, you hear that and it's either motivating or dang, that's where you value me at sort of thing. You get both ends of the spectrum, but I think what drives you and your motivation when people think of you, especially being from Oklahoma, a small town, you're going to, there, there's some kid that's going to, that's right now, that's grinding going, well, Heaney did it. And yeah. everybody told me that he was too small or that he didn't throw hard enough or fill in the blank because everybody's got an opinion and everybody thinks their opinion matters, right. including mine doing the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody thinks that. And then all of a sudden, what does the next kid think? Where's yeah. the next kid's motivation come from? Yeah. And I think you're inspiring other kids from your own hometown and especially the kids that you meet being an angel those kids that get to sit behind the turtle and when yeah. you pop out to shag you get to talk to some of those kids and they have dreams but that's where I think conversations like this and you opening up about what you're trying to do we're simple beings man yeah we play in the big leagues but we're simple we have simple yeah. desires and we want to do it the right way and it's not unachievable that's what yeah. everybody thinks they think yeah. being a big leaguer or you fooling someone for ten years, yeah, I think it's this crazy idea,
1: yeah, who's your big league comp
0: um uh he was th- he was a angels guy, um oh no, uh, Reggie Willits
1: okay, yeah, yeah, yeah
0: Reggie Willits. and I thought, dang, Reggie Willits. you know when he watches this, no offense to Reggie Willits. I grew up oh. watching him play, yeah, but I thought dang i I think. I think I'm a little bit better than that. Yeah. But it is what it is. You can't control your player comp. Do okay. you know yours?
1: Uh Derek Holland. The Dutch oven, Derek Holland. He was on the
0: Yeah, Rangers. I played with him with the Rangers, but I'm thinking like yeah real long and kind of side long. sweepy. Yeah, the deliveries it
1: was a little bit like more sweepier than I was, but I think that was just probably the best the best comp there was out there.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well we were t- He's a funny kid, man. He's a yeah. he's a good dude. Yeah. Very, very simple, like yourself. Loves to just be at home yeah. playing playing video games on his projector. He's very to yeah. himself. He's very simple too. I went over to his house one day and he invited me over and we were just playing some video games. We were watching something. I don't remember what it was. But I pulled up to a beautiful house. You know, this it had like five bedrooms, but there wasn't much furniture in it. And it, there wasn't much in it. You know what I yeah. mean? It was he had yeah. two one CTS that was loud as hell, the engine was so loud, but he had two beautiful cars parked outside too. And I walk into the house thinking, Where's everything at? <laughs> but that's just what he was, man. He was just a yeah. simple guy.
1: Hey, I only spend my time in one room. Why furnish the
0: rest of them? That's a good point. I wasn't gonna <laughs> knock him, I wasn't gonna knock him. That's so funny. Um, and when you talk about the flow state, let's talk about a little bit about flow because I remember. There was a game where you got a bloody nose. It was against the Rangers. And – no, it was against the Cubs.
1: Uh, uh, Cubs, yeah, yeah, Cubs. Cubs. It was against the
0: Cubs. And it was like the second inning or something after the first pitch. And I felt like you didn't even – you didn't even notice it. You were just kind of like, what the heck? And then when you looked over and you started calling them out, I bet they were freaked out because it was right after a pitch.
1: So – that's one hell of an interesting game because so that would have been 2016. Yeah,
0: it was, a year it was the after second game of
1: the year. We were playing uh, just a two-game series against the Cubs to open up the season, and I had game two. So uh, I believe G Rich started game one. I think that was the year that he was the opening day. I, maybe we even hurt himself. I can't remember, but I was pitching game two. And it was, yeah, it was like the second inning and exactly like what you said, like I was getting ready to like come set and I looked down there's like, we were home, wearing home whites and there was just like blood like splattered like all on my shoulder and like all kind of down my chest. And I kind of go like this. I'm like, oh man. So I'm like, well, I've like, I've always had a problem like with nosebleeds. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I have had my no- nostrils cauterized like multiple times. It burns like hell and then nothing happens. I still get bloody noses. So like, we had just gotten, you know, first games of the year, we had just gotten done with spring training in Arizona, so I'm sure my nose is all dry, whatever. Yeah. So I, I, I like, kind of call the trainers out there, and so she comes jogging out with Nevy, uh, Adam Nevelo's our mm-hmm. trainer.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, uh, <laughs> he comes out, and he's like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, well, first of all, like, dude, there's blood all over my jersey in my face. Like, surely you should be able to know what's going on. <laughs> but then I told him, I said, I was trying to say, like, Oh, there's blood! Like when I blew out, there's blood all. And so she goes, like, "You blew out!" Like, you know, he thought I like, you know, like the like you blow out. Like that's the term you use. Oh, so, and so like, so. no, no, no. So I had to go down, literally, like, go into the dugout. The umpire had to follow me down in there, like, mm-hmm. watch me, like, clean it all up, put the freaking, you know, whatever. It's not a tampon, but whatever in your nose. I had it like sticking out. Well, then I go back out to pitch and give up a couple runs. No big deal. I gave up a homer to Rizzo. So. We're, we're like cruising along and then like about the I don't even remember like very vividly specifically like what inning it was but that's the end it ended up that's the game that I tore my ligament the first oh. game I pitched in 2016
0: <laughs>
1: so like talk about like I don't and I to this day I don't know if that's the thing where like I don't know if there's any correlation to like having a nosebleed and then like having a major injury like I don't know if that was like a stress um, thing like maybe an
0: omen yeah it was like an omen I really don't something's about to happen I'm gonna make the nose bleed you should probably shut it down this is just a warning
1: I don't know I really don't but like at that point I was like man I have nosebleeds all the freaking time we just came from dry Arizona like this is not that abnormal like so anyway so that was like a heck of a game because I ended up I think I hurt myself like in the, maybe the third or the fourth inning. So I mean, it was pretty soon after that, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like, it wasn't like, you know, some guys have like the full tear where it's like, I mean, it's, they,
0: you yes, don't even, you throw done. the
1: ball and it's just, it doesn't even go. It yeah. either rolls to the plate or goes to the backstop. And you know, immediately what happened. Like I, it wasn't like that for me. And I remember coming in and was kind of like, Ugh, my elbows kind of bothering me. It was like first game of the year. And I felt great, man. Like I felt great all spring training I was throwing like 94 95 like against the Cubs like I was feeling good I mean I'd given up a couple runs but like I was feeling good so I was like I mean I'm gonna keep throwing like it's probably just some like flexor tightness or whatever like no big deal and I remember Nagy Charles Nagy our pitching coach came up to me and was like hey you all right So like, your velo went down a little bit you good and I'm like oh yeah like I think I'm just getting tired or something like you know like first game of the year you're only stretched out to like six innings so he's like yeah. all right just let me know like let me know if you're all right I'm like All right. I kept going like I was punching people out with like 88 mile an hour fastballs. Like I remember just being like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get out, like I'm gonna get guys out, and they're gonna pull me whenever it's time. Like we'll figure it out. And then it wasn't until you know when you hurt yourself, like you kind of got that adrenaline going, whatever. It's not till the next day that you're like, yeah, I probably should have listened to my body a little bit because it, <laughs> it wasn't good, man. Like it was like oh. not feeling great, and then that whole, I mean that whole injury you know, just Yeah, I
0: mean that's a whole year. You know, you Yeah, gotta... I mean,
1: dude it, it ended up so like it ended up being a crazy thing because like I went and got like multiple different opinions because it wasn't like I said, it wasn't like a full thickness tear. Like there was all kinds of stuff going on. So I tried doing the PRP, the stem cell and rehabbing mm-hmm. it because they kinda told me like I asked them like what are the chances this works and they say fifty fifty. It either will or it won't and I'm like all right, well, it happened so early in the year that I'm like, well, if I try this stem cell and it works, even if worst case scenario, like I missed the rest of this season, like I can have a full off season, let this thing heal and then come into 2017 and be ready to go and like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you offer Tommy John, like even in the first week of the season, like you're talking about, you know, nowadays it's like 14 months is, is the recommended t- recovery time. So you're talking about I'm not even going to be ready until the 2017 all-star break. So it's yeah. kind of like, I was just thinking about, all right, 2016 is gone. Like it's just not happening, but maybe I can get back for 2017. Whereas if I do Tommy John now, like all I'm going to get is half a 17. So for me, it was like the difference in all of 17 or half of 17. So I just went for it <laughs> and uh, talk about your fun process where they, they, oh, man. they drill into your back and take out your bone marrow and, that was interesting. All for that's, it not to work, you know. I was gonna I say go that's back. a
0: whole, yeah, that's a whole another conversation. <laughs> and
1: if I could go back, I would do it differently. But you know, it's like again, like you're a competitor. You're just trying to get out on the field, and you're trying to, like, sometimes with those things, like injuries, like you're in just. It's not even that, like you're a competitor, and you just want to play, right? Yeah. Like you just want to be out there, and even if you're not at a hundred percent, like you just want to be out there. But it's also like that, like denial of like. You know, people had told me, like, oh, man, like, you know, in all my draft stuff, like, hey, smooth, easy arm action, like, nice, like, loose and whippy body, like, flexible, like, all those things. Like, you hear that your whole life, and you, like, you you feel good, and you're throwing. Like, I was throwing the ball the best I ever had, so I was like, well, like, I'm not – really like I didn't really tear my ligament like I'm not really hurt like this is just like a little thing like it's something I'll just like rehab from you know like you can't it's a denial like you can't just allow yourself to to be that guy like I never thought I was that guy I never thought I'd be the mm-hmm. guy that had Tommy John you know like yeah. that's part of it too is just getting over that mental hurdle of like allowing yourself to come to grips with it
0: mm-hmm. and then you so you you go through that process and then I think it's been it's been pretty smooth I mean you've had some great moments. You punch out 14 against the Rangers. You got your one hit shutout against the Royals with all of that process and the success that you've been able to have. And it's obviously, it's been fun to watch for me knowing you, but that experience you talked about of gaining the things to understand how to be a big league pitcher. Do you feel like you've kind of arrived a little bit or do you feel like all those nerves are pretty gone and now you're just playing baseball?
1: No, man, I mean, before every game, like, I feel like I'm about to puke. Like, it doesn't change, bro. Like, it doesn't change. Like I love it. Like, you put enough pressure on yourself to compete and to, like, I expect a lot out of myself, and I know other people do too. And so, like, that's good pressure. Like, you want that. Like, the day that I just roll into a game and don't give a shit and I'm just like, I don't even care what happens here. Like, I'll just collect my check and go home. Like, that's the day that I'm going to hang them up because – like, I I don't know how anybody could operate that way, like, without, like, that drive and that motivation, so, yeah, I would never say that I feel like I've arrived, like, I, I, like, you have to have that chip on your shoulder, you have to think, like, man, there's always people, like, you know, I got named opening day starter this year, that's something I'm immensely proud of, but with that came, like, the understanding of, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm the ace of the staff, like, hell no I'm not gonna say that we got like a ton of good dudes like Julio Tehran's been been with the the Braves and has had like seven straight seasons of like a sub four ERA and 30 games started like that dude's a stud like like Bundy has done the same thing taking the ball every single day and like throwing through a lot of stuff like I'm not gonna sit here and say like oh like I'm I stand above those guys, or I'm leading this staff, like that would just be so ridiculous to say Mm -hmm. that. So for me, it's like, while it's an honor to, like, be an opening day starter, and maybe say, like, I would love to say that's the beginning of maybe like an upward trajectory, right? Like, Mm -hmm. first of all, that game never happened. So I guess I can't call myself an (laughs) opening day starter. But, you know, like, you talk about, you talk about like arriving, like I got other things I want to do. Like personally, I want to make that opening day start. I want to pitch on an all-star team. I want to pitch in the playoffs. I want to win games in the playoffs. Like I want to do, like there's so many things that like, I I don't feel like I've even gotten close to the tip of the iceberg. So like, there's definitely no way I would say like, Oh, I've arrived. Or I've, I've like, no, like it's always, it's like, dude, you're always climbing.
0: Always. absolutely i love that i love that so for the kids out there listening to this and they get a chance to f- to feel your presence and what you've been able to talk about in the last half hour that kid that is trying to find his own way throughout his own younger career how does that kid get to the big leagues
1: uh you know when i like a lot of times like especially like younger kids that i talk to like if we go to schools or if we're doing clinics or whatever like there's choices and there's moments in your life where you're going to be able to make a good decision or a bad decision, a right decision or a wrong decision. And like every wrong decision you make puts you farther and farther away from the path you need to be on. Right. Like, and at some point when you're, when you get too far away from your path, man, you're lost. And like, this is your own journey. There's nobody out there to rescue you. There's nobody out there to, to, to tell you how to, to, you know, like you got mentors, you got people that can help steer you, but you're the one, like, you're the one making those decisions. So like, I just think like there's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make and things that you got to be willing to do or not do to even give yourself that opportunity. You know, like I can only speak from my personal experience. Like, I went to college. I went to Oklahoma state. Like I, I, I legitimately did not like drink. I didn't like do drugs. I didn't do like anything like that. Not, not because I didn't want to, but because like, I just thought like, well, more often than not, that's going to lead you down a path that is not going to get you to where you want to go. Right? Like there's plenty of time in my life, like post baseball, I can go do all whatever I want to do. Right? Like, so even like decisions like that, I mean, and there's all kinds of temptations and things that you want to do out in the world. And I'm not saying that every time you make a bad decision, that it's going to come back and bite you. But when you start getting comfortable making bad decisions or easy choice, you know, easy decisions, easy choices, like it makes it that much easier to just say, Oh, you know, you, you drive drunk one time and you make it home. Like, well, I'll just do it again. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. But it's the one time that you do it and you end up killing yourself or killing somebody else that it's, that it's like, well, it wasn't that one decision that led to that. It was the 10 times before that, that you got away with it, that you felt like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just one example, but.
0: Yeah. But it's all relative. You can, you can, you can scan those examples over so many things. Staying up till two o'clock in the morning. That's a big
1: example, but, but just things like that, you know, like even just simple things of like, man, I, I really don't want to go to the field today, man. <laughs> I just like I'd love to have my own personal day, right? Like
0: my own mental you day.
1: You can't do that. Like you can't and and you know, you get in pro ball and you start learning about, man, you take a you day, like, oh, I need a me day today. Like your teammates are not going to like you. Your <laughs> training staff is not going to like. Your coaching staff is not going to have glowing things to say about this dude that's just taking personal days. You know, like just little things like that, man, like that just limits your opportunity. That limits the number of people that want to stick their neck out for you. It limits the amount of time that you're spending getting better. Um, You know, I'm sure like we could share stories all the time about, you know, you got that guy in AAA that wants a me day. He, uh, you know, pulls his hammy and he's just chilling for a few days and he's the fourth outfielder. And you know, or the fifth outfielder in AAA and the fourth outfielder in big leagues goes and gets hurt or the starting outfielder and you need that replacement, like, well, you can't just say your hammy feels good now. Like, you can't just say, like, you know what I mean? Like, we've had those experiences. We've all seen those dudes that have done that. And sometimes it still works out for them, which, you know, like, is pretty terrible. But those are the decisions that, man, like, that could have been your opportunity to go up there and, like, make a name for yourself or take somebody's job or at least just prove that you're, you know, hey, I deserve to be up here. I can play here. You're always playing for 29 other teams. Like, that's what everybody always says. So, I mean, for me, like, that's that's how I think of it. It's just, you know, like, day to day, like, you got to make those decisions to – not even just always to get better, but just to give yourself the opportunity to be seen or to be appreciated or whatever it may be. Absolutely.
0: It's – and those – and it's not always the – the decision that stares you in the face that is the right one or the wrong one. Sometimes there's, it takes weeks or years to realize, oops, that decision I made, probably not the right one. Or
1: well, man, sometimes it's the decisions you don't make, or the places you don't go, or the people you don't hang out with, or the things you don't do, like all those things you know, just over time, like all those things add up and either get you whatever you believe in karma or just opportunity or whatever it may be, man, Mm -hmm. like that, that stuff's real.
0: It really is. So now let's go, I'm going to ask you one, I'm going to give you one word. So this is the the baseballism portion of our, of our section. I'm just going to give you one word or like a short phrase. And you just give me the first thing that comes to your mind. It can be a story. It can be an elaboration whatever. I'll just give you, I got five words. First one, 300 wins. <laughs>
1: uh, I, For me that ain't happening, but for, uh, for a lot of people that, that might be, whew, those days might be numbered.
0: Uh that's what I mean. Will they ever happen I, again?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think like, I'm, I'm not a huge statistics guy, but I would say, I mean, who do we even have that's, I mean, there can't be anybody that's knocking on the door, right? No. The Verlanders, the Grinkies, the, none of those guys are getting close, are they? Yeah,
0: they might have just over 200, if not just slightly yeah. underneath.
1: And, I mean, then you start talking about, like, who are the young studs now? Like, uh, dude, I don't uh, – not, not the way the game's going.
0: Yeah. yeah. What about strike one?
1: I mean, that's the most important pitch. You know, like if you ask any any uh, any pitcher, like that's what they talk about is it's strike one's most important pitch.
0: What about sunscreen?
1: Rosin. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you a fan? You not a fan? Yeah, I know Trevor so Bauer is not a fan. I, can't, I guess
1: I can't out myself too much, but for the longest time, I never used anything. Man, just a little bit of sweat, maybe whatever leftover hair gel I may have in my hair, just – From getting to the field that day, but and the balls are chalky, man. They're slippery, so I'm not saying I'm a flamethrower, but I'm definitely not trying to let one slip up and in on a guy. So, yeah, I mean,
0: as as a position player, as a position player, I want it. Yeah, because I don't really even care if it increases your spin rate because hitting's hard enough. If you mean to tell me if your RPMs ramp up 500 more, that's not going to be harder to hit than it already is. As hard as it is to hit. (laughs) So for me, I'd rather you know where your ball's going and me having to lock it in, than me sitting in there going, "All right, let's have an ABO." Yeah. And it's a hot day, especially in Anaheim. You get in the middle of July. Yeah. It ain't. It ain't cold. Sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about pants up.
1: Um, is it pants up or is it is it high socks? Uh, yeah, what's
0: it, yeah. What is it?
1: I don't know we were debating that a while ago uh and like you know back back in the day when we were in spring training but uh I don't know I mean I would say pants up a lot of guys say like high socks or whatever but I've always done I've always gone pants up to me it's a comfort thing like I when my pants are down like I feel like I don't know it just gets like caught on my knee when I lift and I just feel like it's like getting tangled in the bed sheets. Like it's like <laughs> it's like too like you know you just got all this cloth like tangling you up. So like when you pull your pants up around you know around your knees, and then it's like kind of gives you a little bit more freedom.
0: I would say pants up because if I wear my socks high, but my pants are over my cleats, my socks are still high.
1: Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. That's fair. That makes well, sense. That's, that's well, absolutely logical.
0: That's how way I could look at it. <laughs> Trying to be logical at least. Yeah. Um, the last one. I'm gonna go with tradition. Tradition. Um, I don't know. I don't. And I I say, I say that because playing with the Angels, I didn't think they had much tradition, but to this day, and I think for the rest of my life, anytime I hear "Calling All Angels," it's gonna give me goosebumps like it did before every game, and I think there is a tradition in LA, but it's not really, it's not really marketed. It's not really open. But when you watch that video, you start to realize that, wow, you're a part of something that's been going on for a long time.
1: Yeah. I I, I would say when I think of the tradition, especially like in the situation I'm in mean, with the angels, like, I mean, you got, you got dudes, like, that are always around, you know, the Darren Erstads. And, and uh, like, he's not always around, but, you know, he's around. I mean, Tim Salmon's always around. And mm-hmm. and those guys, Mark Langston, uh, Rod Carew, like, the greats of the Angels, like, just being around, like, getting even, you know, Clyde Wright, like, cl- comes into the clubhouse and always clowning around. Like <laughs> Like, to me, like, it's just the tradition of, like, just, like, just the brotherhood of baseball like like to me those are the things like it's so interesting to hear from those guys about how they played the game how they their experiences what they not even just like almost just more like a lifestyle like what it meant to be in the big leagues you know for some of those dudes in 1960s 1980s you know 1990s wherever whenever it may have been it's always really interesting to just kind of hear their stories and like i just I probably don't spend enough time, like just you know, talking to those dudes and kind of getting, getting those stories. Um, and you know what, like kind of, you'll have to fact check me on this, but you start talking about the Angels, like I think they have like the fourth oldest stadium in the big leagues, maybe fifth oldest. It's like Fenway, Wrigley, Dodger Stadium, and then and then in Anaheim. Like I'm pretty sure, like so. I mean, it doesn't it seems feel old because. It seems weird, but like when you just, I mean, not franchise-wise, but when you just talk about like the stadium and kind of how long they've been like entrenched in that community and stuff, like it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy to think how long they've been there.
0: It's very true. heen, I mean, thanks for taking the time to come on here, man. I'm very appreciative. And I, I just enjoy the stories being told because the stories, land they, they last the test of time. Yeah, man. Appreciate you having me, D-Rob. I love it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Spark Show. Head over to our show notes so you can find links to the website and more information on this week's guest. And join us next week as outfielder Austin Jackson stops by. And head over to our website for more baseball information so you can find information on past guests. Subscribe for notifications so you don't miss out on new episodes or new releases. And please, share what you learned today with a fellow baseball fan. And remember, be the spark so others can shine.